Welcome to the Sharon Fitzmaurice podcast, and my guest today is Dr. Mally Coyne. Mally is a clinical psychologist, author, NUIG lecturer, and an active member of the Mental Health Advisory Panel for the Illust for Life charity. Mally is very passionate about promoting well-being and increasing awareness of mental health issues, which she treats to her advocacy work, public speaking and print, radio and TV contributions. Her first book, Love In, Love Out, A Compassionate Approach to Parenting Your Anxious Child, was published on the 23rd of July, 2020. Mally, you're very, very welcome to the podcast. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me, Sharon. It's great to see you live. Yeah. I remember the last time I interviewed you, we were in this room. I was thinking about that last night and this morning. And I remember being so excited, Mally, really excited, but extremely nervous at the same time, because again, I suppose my story was a little bit personal, even though we were talking about the work and book and all of that stuff. But I think when we're in front of anybody else one-to-one you know it is it's kind of you know you're revealing parts of yourself and it's a bit of your vulnerability as well comes out and you realize geez I got through that and I'll get through the next thing yeah so I love sharing my story and I really love to hear other people's stories and you are an amazing lady first of all before anything else and I had the pleasure of meeting you in person and watching you and being inspired by your work and more re- most recently, your book, which we're going to go into a little bit later, because it's absolutely amazing for everybody, not just for parents. So, Mally, we're in a situation at the moment where we are in February 2021 and we're in level five lockdown. And I remember a conversation you had, I think it actually might have been with Matt Burke. We were just talking about him a few minutes ago, maybe March or maybe it was April or something last year and we were only into the first lockdown (laughs) to think here are nearly a year later and you spoke that time and said how you know the way people were reacting and responding to this new um pandemic you know and how it was affecting them and here we are a year later what's going on (laughs) how do you think everyone is doing uh gosh um I think it, it really depends I, I think the general mood like a few weeks ago I, I'm like I do these a lust for life um Facebook lives and I was doing them a lot during the first lockdown and I did a few during the second and this one I've done less of because I suppose I've been trying to mind myself you know and, and trying not to overdo things last year was a very even though it was the pandemic it was a hugely busy year for me in terms of, you know, my normal work, my nine to five, you know, work um, with clients and that, but then all the other stuff that came with the book and everything else. So I think a few weeks ago when I did my last Facebook live, hope was the kind of um, the topic, you know, sometimes I just get inspired. I kind of think, what, what do people need right now? And I think hope was something that was really important, I think, for people. Um, this is so difficult for so many of us, you know, like, um, and I know people in varying degrees, um, I suppose for me and my husband, you know, we have two young kids, we're at home with them, you know, and um, I'm going to work every day and my husband is, you know, like he's at home with them, he's working from home and with them. Um, but I think, 
I think just the lack of social connection, the lack of, you know, being able to hug somebody, um, the not knowing is still there. And when humans don't know, when there's kind of fear, uncertainty about the future, I think that can be really difficult. And I think, you know, fatigue is really coming in now. And, you know, how long more is this going to go on for? But at the same time, there are kind of silver linings, Sharon, I'm sure you you know yourself, you know, like I've connected with people in different ways this year and you kind of find inspiration when your kind of resilience is, when your strength is called on in a way, do you know? Mm-hmm. You're kind of looking for strength from outside and you do find beauty out there. And I've enjoyed kind of slowing down with the kids. I really enjoy my weekends. And I'm trying to find things to do with them, but everything is just nice and slow. And, you know, there are advantages, but I really miss my dad. He lives in Spain. I haven't seen him since December 2019. And he's tur- he turned 80 last year and I really miss him. Um, so and my mom, who's in Cork, and I haven't really seen much of her either. So it's kind of like and I know that resonates for so many people out there. Some people have lost, you know, relatives. I think a lot of people have gone through many ups and downs and it has taken a toll on people's mental health really uh, because you know resilience is all about facing a manageable threat with somebody by your side but if you don't have those people by your side if you live alone if you you know whatever age group you are you're a teenager you've missed out on certain rites of passage I'm kind of thinking for people that, that if people are are struggling with this and it's it's hard and it's really calling upon all our reserves. Yeah, absolutely, Mally. Agree with everything, you know, and the people that I've been connecting with um, online. And again, I am so grateful that we have technology as much and all as people give out about it quite a lot. I think we're very lucky to have it, to be able to see somebody like I was interviewing somebody from the U.S., a few wow. weeks ago and she said oh and I can see you which makes such a difference it's a real person not just a voice on the other end of the line and I think we need that visual connection to see somebody smile isn't it I know that never replace the physical touch it never replace you know the hug or sitting beside somebody or all of those things and a lot of them are saying that as, as hard and all as it is for some people and I'm only talking about some people because I know some people are really really struggling but they said it's a huge time for self-reflection. It's also allow them to, as you said, slow down and to realize what they actually need, you know, and we were always chasing and running and striving for what, you know, and when you stop and it's all taken away from you, what are we actually left with? You know, what is it in our lives that we truly need? And what most people realize is what they needed was people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doesn't it come down to it? It's just people are the most important thing in the world, each and every one of us. And connections with family and with people that and meaning. Meaning is important as well. I'm I'm hoping that people can still find meaning in their days and not always be thinking to the future, but just kind of, I don't know, making choices. Like this year I had to make a choice. I'm not going to do as much of the the media stuff or the, um, you know, I, I need to really make choices about how I spend my time because I want to be with my girls after a day of work. So um, th- that's been nice actually making those choices. And um, I, I agree with you though, you know, connection with other people and 
you know, having some type of meaning for me, getting out every day, going for a walk. Well, if you can, you know, as Mm -hmm. much as you can, is really important as well. And fun and laughter. Like the last few days, I'm actually completely out of tune with the news. I used to watch the nine o'clock news on record, like at half nine when I'd be having my dinner or 10 or whatever time we'd end up having dinner. And um, with when the kids are in bed, obviously. But I just haven't been. And I've made a conscious choice the last week not to because I just, you know, and and there no disrespect to people who are, you know, have had experiences with COVID or people who have died or there are people who are sick and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely no. You know, I really feel for people out there who have been affected. um, And I know many who have. Um, but it's just as, as it's about being a steward of your senses and kind of, you know, making a choice like, actually, I want to watch Gogglebox while we have dinner or I want to watch this this thing. I'm watching a great um, Netflix documentary called Surviving Death. I know that sounds oh, kind of no, morbid. I've seen it. It's very it's good. It's really good. Um, so like just making choices like that, knowing that you have this time now and, you know, uh, yeah, it's just about what what comes in, you know, making choices about what goes inside you, you know, because that will impact on your mood and on your on everything, really, you know. So um, I, I've had to do that the last week and it's it's been a good thing. Yeah, very good. And I think for a lot of people, Mally, hearing that it makes them feel because a lot of people feel like they should be doing more. You know, I hear people saying, oh, well, I'm looking at this person and they're creating this and they start this project and they're doing their online classes and they're starting to jog 20 kilometers a day. And I'm going off with them. <laughs> 20 kilometers, like 5K, four yeah, times. Going around, yeah. you know, yeah. and I think that's brilliant, you know, yeah. if they can. There's different types of people in the world and a pandemic is not going to change the type of person you are. But it's going to change the way that you and you just said it there about the choices you make in your day. What's important? You know, what do I focus on today? You know, what's my purpose in the day? And I spoke about that and I speak about quite a lot and say, if your purpose is, you know, just to do your homeschooling with your kids in that day, just focus on that and stop worrying about everything else around you. Or if that focus is to, you know, say, well, I'm going to clear out this space today. I've been saying I'm going to do it for the last year and I haven't done it and it's on my mind. Do that. So just as you said, they're making a choice and saying, I need to look after myself. I need to focus on what's important just today, as you yeah. said, not to be looking out into the future. Because if we keep looking out there and wondering, well, when is it going to open? You know, this is what people are saying. I wonder when it'll happen. I've heard myself say it, mm. you know, going, well, when will it be? When will I be able to do this? You know, nobody knows. Nobody None knows. of us know. Not even the government know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and as you said, there's a huge amount of negativity out there. There is a huge about media reporting all the negative stuff and the stuff that's happening, but we don't have to get um, so absorbed in it all the time, you know, watching every and listening to every news report. Yeah, no, because I found it was making me angry. Like, you know, I watched a primetime documentary where I saw people go on holidays to Lanzarote just because they want to go on a holiday. And like my dad is 80 and he's in Spain and I haven't seen him in over a year and I'm kind of thinking so those kinds of things were triggering me so I just knew okay Mally you need to take a step back you know because people when they're in fear mode they they become even more judgmental we're all judgmental to an extent but we become more judgmental and that's not necessarily uh, a positive thing to kind of engage in so that's when you kind of know okay I'm, I'm actually being drawn in now and I need to just come back out again and into myself 
Absolutely. I think you're so right. And one of the things I have enjoyed is you were talking there about doing your Illust for Life broadcasts, you know, on Wednesday. And they were amazing. You know, I did. I was teaching the same on the same night. I used to jump in for the last few minutes. I wanted to catch a little bit of Mally and her positive vibes. And I could see all the parents that were coming on. You know, I was observing them and what they were getting from you. And it was reassurance, you know, that people see you on screen, don't they? Or see, see you on the back cover of your book or on the TV, Mally, and they go, oh, she, she has it all together now. She doesn't have the same problems as me. They forget you're a person, you're a mom, a wife, a sister, a daughter, all of those things. And you were showing them that we're all struggling in some shape or form, no matter what we're doing in life. Yeah, that's lovely. Thanks, Sharon. Um, yeah, I mean, that is kind of what I'm about. I, I don't hide my emotions very well, um, you know, and that that, that that has served me really well in life. Sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But um, yeah, that's that's really what I wanted to. I had something just like you, I suppose, when the pandemic started and then, you know, now even, you know, for me in a, to a lesser degree, maybe I'm doing less. But that's kind of because I need to mind myself. But it's kind of like if you feel inspired, you just want to help people out there and you feel you've something worthwhile maybe to share um, but but for me, sharing my common humanity is really important and kind of letting people know, look, you know, and I use examples of my kids, my poor children, like in years <laughs> to come, they'll be like, why did you say that I, you know, whatever. Yeah. You know, they've done that already. Like I, I remember being on a TV show a few years ago and mentioning one of them and they were like, why did you say that to Ireland? And I was like, to Ireland, talk to Ireland. Um <laughs> But yeah, I, I think, what is the point? Like, I'm the same when a client is in front of me, you know, or on the phone now. A lot of my stuff is on the phone or online. But what is the point in pretending like everything in your house is A-OK? -okay? Like, people yeah. connect with vulnerability. Yeah. I don't share my vulnerability on purpose. It just comes naturally that I that I would do that, do you mm -hmm. know? Um Another thing, Sharon, I noticed the angels behind you. And I know yes. that I've kind of in the last few Facebook lives, I've actually been reading people's angels. Like I've been picking angel cards for people, which is kind of I, I know that that element of spirituality has come a lot more into my life in the last few uh, months. Um, and that's been really nice as well. It's just something it's something fun for the parents and, and a, a re more reassurance for them as well. But I've really enjoyed doing the Facebook lives and. I'm sure I'll do them again, um, but I, I do. Yeah, I think parents like, you know, feeling like they're not alone with mm. with, you know, everybody rows when you row, you know, you can rupture and then you can repair. So what what can you do in those situations or afterwards? And self-compassion for me is like the number one kind of teaching that I want to bring out there is compassion for others compassion for self and how that scientifically you know is helpful for any type of anxiety or you know low mood or any struggle that you have in life it really honestly helps so that's kind of the message that I want to put out there to parents and to everybody well you definitely do that and only again because I've met you in person you do show your emotions. You're a very open person and I can see why people are drawn to you. 
And just two of the things that you mentioned there was spirituality Mm. and self-compassion. So obviously I'm very spiritual, not religious. We have to make that clear because people think maybe I'm a holy Joe of some sort. And it's not that I'm a very spiritual person. And I know that you are as well and that you kind of open that door to people as well. You know, that there maybe is something more, you know, than just this physical self. And that's what I truly believe in. And people have found strength in that, you know, and the angels are a comfort to people. And again, we know there's people out there that go, yeah, that mumbo jumbo. Mm. But for me, it's whatever can help us get through that for me, that there is something divine within all of us. We're part of the universe. I believe that. So if we're just this little person, you know, maybe we won't have any belief that there's nothing else. There's no real meaning in life. We're just here and then we die. For me, there is always a stronger meaning to our lives. And again, it comes back to the paths that we choose in life. And I sometimes believe that you're guided, Mally, you know, to the maybe career or what you're doing in life. And that's what I believe about you, not just because of your own past, you know, I think it's also, it is in your nature to help people and want to help others, but also to feel needed. Mm. You know, I think there's a part of that within all of us that help people, that we like to feel needed by people, that we want, our purpose is to help others because it's helping us in some way as well, Mally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 always going to be a bit of the two, you know, Um, and I've spoken before about how if you kind of take on that role within your family of origin, it becomes something that's just second nature to you. Um, I never don't answer an email to somebody that reaches out to me. Yes, it could be a little while before I get back with the, you know, or even a student wants to do a something you know to help with their podcast or do this or do that or some to talk about something and I just kind of feel like I put myself in their shoes and I think you know that person has reached out to me and of course that can lead to me getting burnt out and I need to think about that so 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 what I've done in the last few weeks is well I can't do it this week but I can do it in a month's time or something and that can kind of space things out but for sure Sharon I do have a a need to feel needed and also even though like I'm a clinical psychologist and you would not usually associate a clinical psychologist with spirituality because it's all about like scientist practitioner model and you know you you adopt a, a therapy that's scientifically shown to help with a client which you know as you come out of training I'm many years post training you kind of you adopt what you think is going to work for that person really. But um, I do feel like there's a real kind of, there's a calling. There was a calling for me to do something to help people. And I had that from the time that I was really young. I remember when I was like probably eight or nine thinking I want to be a pediatrician. I couldn't even say the word. (laughs) But I knew I wanted to work with kids as a doctor, you know, and that was really, really young I just knew this is what I I want to do that. And I suppose I've been really lucky. There's many people out there that it's taken them a while to know what they want to do or they've been in jobs and they just haven't had that calling. But I always had that calling. Mm. Um, And I feel really lucky and privileged that I was able to kind of uh, follow that path. 
and um and now I kind of I'm ready to take in other aspects you know kind of take in the bit of spirituality what you know why am I watching that program on Netflix because I want to be more in tune with that aspect as well you know um because I do feel like when you meet a client and that's what's so hard about doing it over the phone now I don't have a proper webcam and work so it's mostly over the phone with clients but you know it's kind of that connection in the room where somebody comes in in distress and you know they think oh that psychologist is going to tell me exactly what to do but really it's a it's a meeting of human beings in that room that's mm. that's what it is you know um and yeah it's like I, I have so many lovely examples of you know yesterday I got a call and somebody that I helped I wrote a really strong letter about that person getting a house with the council, a really strong letter where I like quoted Maslow's hierarchy of needs <laughs> about safety being of the yeah. utmost importance in order to thrive and all that kind of stuff. That person has been offered a house. So oh. like, you know, you hear these stories and you're like, you know, that makes, you know, when you know that there's something you can do, there's time you can take to write something really strongly worded. There's calls you can make. There's, it, it's just a lovely feeling to actually help people in in real ways, mm. you know. That goes beyond your job title, you know, your role as a clinical psychologist. That is the compassionate part of you, the side of you that has that great empathy and to see people, you know, that are suffering in need and you're taking steps, you know, to help that person in any way you can. So by writing that letter, you took action. You took a step to help that person instead of saying, well, no, I saw you for your hour. I can't do anything about it, which has kind of happened in lots of cases for people where they don't see fully seen. And I believe like you, if more people went that extra step at times, also having your boundaries, but saying, I'm going to try this because I want to really help this person, because this is something that's going to help their well-being. If we can do that in any, and that goes for everybody, you know, teachers, local doctors, everybody, if they can go that extra step, I think in helping people be seen and heard, that is going to promote a lot of good well-being in that person or their client. Absolutely. When we come back to um, you giving so much, because we know you do give a lot, and I like to hear that you've kind of pulled back a little bit for yourself as well, and that you've kind of realized that you need to take time and mind yourself, which is very important because I'm always saying to people, if you don't look after yourself, you cannot look after your family. You know, you can't look after anybody else. So in how you look after yourself. So we'll come back to the self-compassion. So you know you had to take time for yourself. I know that and I value my time and I value my space and my quiet time and my stillness. How do people that have never given that to themselves for you, you know, and I'm sure you meet it in your um, role as a psychologist. How do people come to you and say, you know, how do I do this? How am I more compassionate to myself? What's self-care? You know, is it, you know, going to sleep for an extra hour? Is it whatever? You know, they don't understand because they've never done it. They've always been taking care of everybody else. And for me, sometimes that's an avoidance of themselves, you know, and I'll say, well, why do you not? think you deserve this love time and attention for you so when people come to you and that I'm sure even through your Facebook live you've had people say that to you how do I do that how do you respond to them Mally 
it kind of brings me back to like I do work for the recovery college here in Galway, which is a brilliant initiative for people with mental health issues or family members to learn to kind of, you know, heal through learning. And I've had Zoom kind of uh, classes to do with self-compassion and really breaking it all down and doing practical exercises. And it, you know, like I've heard, you know, quite a number of people there and in other forums kind of saying, like, I don't even know what that is, what you can, you're allowed to do stuff for yourself or else, you know, very often I talk about the three emotional circles and in cognitive, in um, compassion focused therapy, one is threat, one is soothing, one is drive. So we talk about how, you know, when we're anxious and when we're low or when things have happened to us in our lives, traumatic things, that kind of thing, passions over our childhoods. And as we get older, that our threat circles are really big. And sometimes our drive circles can be really big, you know, what helps us to get up in the morning, but that can be fed by threat. And that's when we become quite burnt out. But I remember asking a client once, can you draw me your soothing circle? The size of it even. Soothing is all about, you know, uh, getting your needs met. It's about safety. Mm-hmm. It's about connection with other people. Um, it's about the things that are, are really challenged for us at the moment mm. in the world, actually. Um, and I've had clients say, I can't draw that. I can't. I don't I don't even know what that means. I can't draw that. It's so small. I can't even put it down on paper. And invariably as a psychologist I'm always like of course I'll talk about why self-compassion is important and um, the three elements of self-compassion which are common humanity which is kind of the way we all suffer and struggle as human beings and you know no time like the present in the last year have we all been in this as, as a human species in a way and mindfulness is about kind of being present in the moment with all your feelings and going through tunnels of emotions even when they're negative because we need to go through the tunnel Mm. and then the self-kindness piece is about the hand on the heart and going this is really hard for me right now this is what it feels like to be a human being who feels anxious or sad you know that kind of thing so it kind of connects you as you said with the universe but I always go back to and and you said it there like why do you feel you're not deserving of of it and that's why I kind of talk a lot about barriers to self-care you know that soothing circle comes from the first relationships you've ever had as a child Um, and that's why I'm so passionate about infant mental health which is like a baby's mental Mm -hmm. health and their, their parents and you know, as we grow older, you know, the things that might happen to us and that, you know, some of us don't develop a template for kind of safety within ourselves and, you know, kind of a trusting enough relationship with a caregiver and that can make it difficult or else something happens as you grow older and, you know, maybe you didn't get the support that you needed or impacted on you so much. And we're never blaming parents here, by the way, because I always talk about good enough parenting. Mm. You know, parents very often have had their own struggles, which they bring into their parenting. And that's, you know, I talk about that a lot, too, including myself. Um, but it's all about awareness, Sharon. Like, you know, I'm not going to say to people today, oh, yeah, like, it's self-compassion self-care is not just about taking a bath I mean that's the action that's the action part of it yeah but it's about feeling like you're deserving of it and if you don't feel that and like sometimes we use an exercise like you know if somebody 
has that critical voice and I might say, and they say, I'm no good or I should have done better. And I'd say, well, what would you say to your best friend in mm. the same situation? What would you say to the younger version of you, the child version before you were, you know, some, that happened to you or before the negative voice came in? Because mm. um, we all can have that inner bully voice and we just need to turn it down for the kindness voice. But for me, it's just all about awareness. If from listening to today, today's podcast, all you kind of you know, get from it is an awareness that self-compassion is really important and that we need to feed our soothing circles in order for our threat circles to kind of reduce down and for them to be balanced because we need threat in our lives too. We need to have that fight or flight response to get away from a, yeah. a moving car. We need that. Um, but to know that you can be driven and it can come from kind of a place of soothing and that's what I've done in the last month and a half. I kind of I'm choosing things that I feel like are are not going to take too much from me, but they're coming from a good place rather than from a I'm not good enough and mm -hmm. I want to prove myself place, which is where I felt I was kind of last year where I was trying to promote a book and I kind of was just saying yes to absolutely everything. And it, I just felt kind of burnt out and a little bit lost yeah. by October time. I was like, what am I going to do next? And then I realized I don't need to do anything next. Actually, the unknown is is uh, is a good thing. It's okay. It's okay not to know. You don't need to do anything next. It's you just live. This is hard enough as it is. Mm. So I would ask I would ask parents or anyone out there listening to this. You know, people who find it hard. You know, there's a lot of lovely resources out there. Um, you know, even on my website, I have compassion resources on under COVID nineteen resources and. To maybe ask why that is for you why do you find it hard and i think even just the awareness can be enough and then you know if you need help with that i would encourage you to go and speak to somebody you love or go to see a professional or whatever that is mm, absolutely i think it's so right i think awareness is a huge thing mally and it's again because of the pandemic i said you know it's a blessing for many and others it's not but for me, I see it as, at, as I said at a time, a little bit of a blessing that people have slowed down and given themselves space. And one of the things when you mentioned there, you know, that um, our awareness and why we are not deserving of things. And I'm running a, a, a workshop for people online over eight weeks. And then we go back to our inner child. We go back from birth right up to, you know, the different stages of our lives. And it's amazing the awareness that has opened up because they've never taken oh. time too, you know, they were coming on, they wanted something to do. They liked the thing of meditation and, you know, working with their energy and balancing the mind, body, spirit. Some of them were aware of it, others weren't really. And some of them are going, oh my God, this is so much work. You know, and I said, why do you feel it's work? Because I have to go back and sort through all the shit when I was mm. such an age and think about what my relationships were with my parents or the caregivers or my siblings or my teachers or you know, boyfriends or whatever it was, because they had never, you know, they had just accepted that because their life could have been shit in aspects back there, that it's going to be shit here as well in a relationship or with a parent. And they'd never gone back to try and heal or resolve that within themselves, maybe not with the person, but within themselves. So for me, seeing that awareness grow in people is amazing, you know, and I think the pandemic has given them space to do that and opened up another side of their growth within themselves, you know, and who they are, but also who they can be, that they're not just 
defined by everything that happened to them all of those years ago, that we can still change, you know, we can resolve, we can let go, we don't have to carry that big bag of stuff from the past with us. And that's why awareness is huge. Now, I know you're very open, you know, about talking about your past and that when you were younger, you know, you traveled around quite a lot like me. Now, I didn't travel in countries, Mally. I traveled within different counties in Ireland as a child and we were constantly moving. And I know you were traveling quite a lot as a child. So how did that affect you? And then we'll go on to, you know, your eating disorder and just telling us about, you know, you now as an adult looking back at yourself as a child. Mm. <laughs> OK, um, yeah, we traveled around. My dad was a diplomat. He's Dutch. My mother's Irish. They met in Ireland uh, like he was a Dutch diplomat on his first posting in Dublin. And that's how they met. And then they went to, you know, we travel lots of different countries. They went to Africa. My brother and sister were born. Then they went to France. I was born. Then we spent, we went to Poland, Holland, Los Angeles, Italy, Korea. I then moved to Dublin and then they moved to Saudi Arabia. And uh, God, where did they end up? Mexico. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And then he, my dad moved to Spain. My parents split up then actually. And my dad moved to Spain and my mother moved to Ireland. But you know, thankfully they're friends now, which is brilliant. Mm. Um, But yeah, like, what was it like? I can't, it's hard to know. Like you don't know a life other than the life that you have Mm -hmm. growing up. So um, that was always kind of the life that I had, but I know that I had this kind of, from a young age, I was always very um, like aware of people around me and what the mood was, what Mm. the tone was. And you know, I was an anxious child around eight or nine, you know, things used to just really worry me. I didn't want to go to crowded places. Um, I was just really aware of relationships in the, at home. And you see, we didn't have support structures around us. If you move all the time to different countries, you don't have your auntie or your uncle or your grandparents or, you know, friends that are consistent. You're introducing yourself again in this new country where they don't speak your language and you have to learn a new language and go to a new school and reintroduce yourself each time. I think it probably has formed the person that I am. But at the same time, I was anxious. And like at the time, my parents brought me to the doctor and they put me on these placebo powders, you know, for my stomach aches, um, which my brother and sister told me about and said, they're only fake drugs like your grand. You know, that's why I was like, I'm writing a book about it. And I I did. Um, But yeah. And then I suppose when we were in L.A., And I I suppose I only go into depth of my history as much as I feel is is respectful to my family. Yeah. Um, You know, because it's not just my story. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, then when we moved to Milan and in Italy around the age of 14, I was just really unhappy there. I don't know what it was. It was the age that I was. We had moved from L.A. I really liked living there. And my sister moved to Switzerland at the time, so she wasn't there anymore. And I was just really unhappy. And I met somebody, a girl in in my class, and I'm really competitive. Like, so she was like, oh, I was a little bit chubby. So she was like, she's going on a diet. And then I decided, well, I'll go on one as well. But then within three months, it completely went 
out of control. Like I was, um, well, I lost my period for more than a year, but um, just can't just completely consumed by like exercise, losing weight, not eating, moving, just moving all the time. Every mm. second I got, I, I just probably felt so out of control in my life that I needed to put control back in, but it just happened so fast. And as I said before, it was like a military regime and my mind was the di dictator. It totally felt like that, you know? Um, so it, it was a really unhappy time in my life. Um, and thankfully, like I, I didn't have to get, well, I didn't get professional help at the time. Like my sister who kind of recognized the signs in a way, you know, gently spoke to me and somehow the way the, the flick, the, the switch had been flicked, mm. it, it kind of went the other way where I got better again. Um, but it, it did take its toll in a way. And yeah, it was it was symptomatic of what was going on in my life without going into too much detail yeah. about what what exactly was uh, going on. But I, I know lots, lots of people struggle with um, you, you, you just try to do anything to put control o on your life. And for me, it was restricted eating and exercising all the time. But for other people, they, they, they suffer in different ways, you know? Yeah. And it's very important, just what you said there. It's like you tried to put some control in your life because you felt like you didn't have control, you know, with everything that's going on. And I think that's, um, and thank you for sharing that. I really oh, appreciate yeah, because for me as well, you know, as I look at parents that have children and teenagers, you know, that are facing, you know, any kind of issues with their mental and emotional well-being and affects them physically. And like that, it's for you, as you said, it happened quite fast. You know, mm. it's not that it was probably building up for a long time, but it was then the physical sign of it, you know, when you developed anorexia. And I think that's what's going on with a lot of children and teenagers. And particularly now, I suppose it's more emphasized because of the pandemic and they're at home all the time with each other and they're seeing it more and maybe worrying more about it and fretting a little bit more. So I think it's um, the whole situation at home then can be exaggerated with parents, children and teenagers at the moment. So I was saying to, and lots of people have messaged me and they've said, you know, some of them are very funny. You have to laugh or else you'd be crying your eyes out. Some of them have phoned me and said their teenager won't get out of bed, you know, and they've shouted for two weeks solid and they won't get out of bed and they're getting emails from school and the teenager is not doing the work, you know, and the parent has to, some of them are still going out to work. So it's quite hard. And then others are saying that their younger children then just constantly looking for their attention, even though they're in the home constantly, the children keep coming up, you know, they give them their schoolwork to do and say, oh, now, mommy or daddy has to go and do this. And they keep coming up to them and say, but I just want this or can you help me or I need to go to the bathroom. And I saw one of my friends on Facebook the other night. Has anyone got cement so she could cement her child to the chair just for an hour to do his work without having to do something or hungry again? And, you know, as I said, you can laugh now, but in that moment, the frustration is huge mm. for parent and for child as well. So how do you respond to people, you know, that you are hearing from in just those very 
and they're simple situations, but they're not simple when you're in that moment, are you at home with it? And it's constant every day and there's no escape for child, teenager or parent. I suppose just to say that you're not alone. I think that's the kind of most important thing to say is you are not alone. And like I spoke to a parent yesterday who was kind of struggling with, you know, the child the day before it had been snowing and the child wanted to spend all day in the snow and the parent just didn't you know, after an hour was freezing and, you know, wet and whatever else. And I just kind of said, like, it's okay to be, it's okay to have your own needs as a parent. Mm -hmm. It's okay to have a firm voice as a parent, because sometimes parents can feel like guilty because this is happening at the moment and they feel sorry for their kids. Guilt can be a huge kind of like motivator for letting your kids off the hook sometimes as well. Um, but uh, yeah, so you're not alone. Like it, it can be like by the end of a day and I'm not even spending the day at home. Like my husband is doing a lot of the day at home. Although, you know, I, 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 I'm spending a day at work and then I'm with my kids for, for a good few hours. But it, it can be really frustrating, especially with younger kids, older kids too. I haven't dealt with teenagers yet, but you know, mm-hmm. I have heard from many parents who are, are struggling in that way. And I think, you know, I read a lovely post this morning about, you know, like a parent who was struggling with her child. The child was really upset because he wasn't getting his reading right or he felt he wasn't good enough with his reading and he's not, he's going to fail his class or whatever. And we're all superheroes, you know, like I really think, you know, never and never did we expect a situation like this where we would be homeschooling our children, mm. where we would be at home all day with them, where when you do go out, you can only go to the chemist or to the supermarket. Yes. You know, the weather isn't great at the moment. You know, mm. it's not like the first lockdown where it was all new and the weather was amazing. This is different. You know, this feels very different. Um, and I think, you know, to, and I know in those moments, I, I think it's just important to acknowledge that you're doing something heroic. Your child is doing something heroic for the teenager who's not getting out of bed. I'd say rather than kind of go, go down the major discipline route, maybe to kind of say to them, you know, at, at a good time when you're maybe not face to face, side to side, and just say, mm-hmm. I've kind of noticed in the last few weeks that you found it harder to, to get out of bed and to kind of kind of approach the teenager in a compassionate kind of way and say, I'm just wondering what might be going on for you. Um, you know, are you missing friends? Uh, what, you know, just really validate where they might be at. Cause I think teenagers have been really struggling with all of this. Like their identity is built around their peer relationships and about having interest in activities that they no longer can do. Do you know, I'm thinking of all the kids that are, you know, my kids do panto and drama, but I'm thinking of all the teenagers who were doing that and and acting in shows. And that was their identity to be singing and dancing. And for all the kids out there who are big into sports and that they can't do that. And, you know, other kids that were into other things and they can't do that, but their peer relationships, their schooling, the uncertainty, every time they turn on the news, is the leaving cert happening? Is it not? I mean, they, they're like, they're superheroes. I really think, and I'm not saying, you know, like I do think a role of a parent is to, you know, validate and then maybe help their child and say, look, you know, your teacher has been on to me about the Zoom. And, you know, I really would like you to 
be up and and you know maybe we can come up to with a compromise that if you know you do attend those zooms because it's it's out of respect for the teacher that you would can you imagine being on a zoom and you're none of your students turn mm. up what would that be like if you organized it so really like after validating kind of maybe come up with a compromise that you know they get out of bed they do the zoom but then after that they can have something that they enjoy um and the pressure's taken off them and then for the younger kids letting them know like we live in a small space like our house is tiny you've seen it and then we have our garden room but kind of letting them know this is mommy mommy time or daddy time I just need my time to do this I'll be with you in a few minutes and just kind of letting them know that that there are you know trying to put boundaries Mm -hmm. there but it's really frustrating by the end of a day I'm sometimes like tearing my hair out I've got a headache I'm like Oh my God, you know, and then five minutes after they go to bed, I'm like talking about them going, aren't they so amazing? <laughs> you know, I'm sure you you feel you felt the same or you still do, Sharon. Yes. So it's just, it's, it's not normal to all be together all the time. Do you know what I mean? It's not our normal. And then not to have things out there to distract us, not to have the weather to go out into sometimes. So just to, to kind of put your hand on your heart as a parent and say, And as a teenager and as a child and say, this is really hard. I'm doing an amazing job. And there are little things that you can tweak into your routine. Maybe that might help, you know, like no screen time to begin with. And then we'll go. You can have it afterwards or there's small little tweaks you can make. But sit down and think about how it's working for you each day and you can change small things. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that's lovely. I think, as you said, it is new for all of us. It is strange for all of us. And because it has now prolonged a little bit more and I see it, I have two in my house, myself and John and my two. I say kids, but they're 19 and 21, which are yeah. my kids. And I've seen them struggle with, again, not being able to meet their friends. You yeah. know, that's huge for them. And just not having like my eldest son, he would go to the gym and love the gym, you know, and when the gym reopened after the first lockdown, it was like his, you know, the excitement it was like going to Disneyland for him. And now it's closed down again. And it's just like, there's nothing, yeah. you know, there's nothing for them to do. And like, we'd say, oh, go out for a walk and do whatever, you know, and take the dogs out and all of that. They do that, but there's nothing else. Yeah. You know, and this and again, we're talking about screen time, but they have no other way to connect with their friends. So they have to be on screen like we're doing right now. And with our own families, you know, I have family living in Wicklow and in Spain, in the UK. And it's the only way we can connect with them just if we want to see them, you know, or whatever. But I think it's extremely hard for them. Children, like I remember when my kids were small, you could entertain them and we could make camps in the dining room, you know, and run around the garden and do everything and you'd be exhausted and we'd dine for them to go to bed <laughs> so you could have a break. But now it's like everything is just like, there, it's just, it's not, it's not Groundhog Day because I feel it's different, but maybe for my kids, it may feel like Groundhog Day. And my youngest son is in, on, in college online. And for him, I really feel you know, compassion, because I think it's so hard. He started college online, like Mm. many students, and they have had no connection with their new 
friends, you know, and their new tutors, and they had a few hours of an experience of going into the college environment. So things are just completely upside down for people. But I said, this is just for now. Like you've said to people, it's only for now, you know, and we'll take it today. And there are struggles, but we'll get through that today. And you saying, you know, that we are superheroes. I think that's lovely, Mally. And I think for yourself to call yourself a superhero because you've not even been able to look after your side with your family and you and Pete and the girls, but everybody else as well. You know, you've helped a lot of people come through the last year as well, you know, with everything. And in particular, your book, because I know we could keep talking, Mally, and I am aware of your time because it's your Saturday. And if if we're showing this on YouTube, but I'm holding up Mally's book and you might see I have lots of post-its, Mally. <laughs> And that's because every time I open your book, I find something new and I right. stick a little post-it in and I go, I must remember that now when I'm talking to a parent again. But I absolutely love your book, Love In, Love Out, A Compassionate Approach to Pairing Your Anxious Child. It's just so simple, Mally, but with so much powerful information that when I started reading it, I fell in love with the information because what I felt like was, why was this book not out there when I, as a child, as, as I, as a teenager, as I, as a young parent, you know, had this information simplified, you know, there was, if there was no Google as such when I was a child or anything, but nobody talked about what anxiety was you know, how to explain it. You explain it in very simple terms. You give actions and exercises and beautiful ways to be compassionate to yourself and your child in your book that I think it's for everybody. As I said, not just for parents. I think it's for everybody that needs to have more compassion to themselves to understand what compassion anxiety is. You know, the, the, you talk about like the soothing circle. I have so many things. And as I said, we could talk about the whole book in an hour, Mally. But I'm sure the response has been amazing because I've recommended to a lot of parents that have contacted me and they're struggling and, you know, they may not be able to, they might not have the resources to go and speak to somebody. So how can they help themselves at home? So I have recommended your book and I know a lot of people have really found it to be helpful. And I think everybody should have a copy of it beside their bed or beside their dining room table, or especially when they're trying to cook the dinner and the children are hanging out of their legs to open one page to remind themselves, be more compassionate to myself. Mm, I'm doing yeah. the best I can. Yeah, yeah. So in your book, you know, and you said um, compassion focused therapy and compassion reduces our fear, boosts our confidence and opens up our inner strength. I think people don't realize the strength they have or the resilience they have, you know, and only through this pandemic, they may realize it after the fact. Yeah. But while they're going through it right now, that they are doing their best. Absolutely. I, 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 I think that, yeah, I mean, for me, like my friend Ruth kind of described it as like this book or my book was like, I wanted to give it almost like as a gift to people out there in a way, as in I poured so much of myself in terms of me as a child, me as a parent, me as a, as a clinical psychologist into it. 
Um, and I can't believe it ended up looking so simple after all of that, because many words were cut out of it and all that. But mm. I was re- like, I, I did go through it with a fine tooth comb many, many, many times. Um, you know, I remember being in a cafe in Briar Hill on the top floor, you know, that Mubles yes. place and just kind of looking out the window and going through it, sifting through it over and over and over again. But I'm really happy with how it came out and... Um, I do agree with you. It's not just for parents with anxious kids. Well, well, all kids can experience anxiety at a certain point. There's a lot there for people generally. And, and mm. like that's that's why I kind of continue those learnings and teachings, say, with the recovery college or with different groups of people, adults who aren't parents necessarily, who could also use a lot of that valuable information for them, you know. But I, I do. Um, yeah, for me, it was. It was just a, it's just lovely to have it there. And I I have heard, I've no more than yourself. I mean, I've, I've had lovely messages from people, mm. really kind of people that have, you know, that it's changed, it's flicked something for them. Mm. It's just, you know, changed something in their relationship with themselves or with their kids or, you know, and that they're going back to it. Um, and it was lovely that I could launch it. It was online, the launch. And, you know, my friend Ruth interviewed me right That's here right. and I had lovely messages from people. And Pete was, you know, my husband totally kind of put together all the technology for it. And it was just it was a wonderful experience, you know, and I'm just glad that it's there forevermore. No matter if I write another book in future, yeah. or I don't. It doesn't matter. It's there. I'm happy with it. And I really hope that it'll continue to help people out there um because for me it was my healing it was like you know when my stomach hurts with anxiety I'm telling you that there's a threat and if a parent tells a child there's no threat everything's fine which is totally natural for a parent to do then the threat just got bigger because you're my anchor you know what I mean and I know you're getting anxious mommy when I tell you that I feel there's a monster in the room and so that's why I wanted to bring playfulness into it and the whole idea of play loosens fear. And, you know, yes, you know, in response to our children's emotions, we can feel crippled, we can feel frozen, we can feel angry, but that's all coming from somewhere as well. So we kind of need to go back to the way our feelings were met when we were kids. And that's why I kind of bring attachment theory and my love of, you know, the relation, you know, the importance of the relationship, the bond and, and how we have a choice as parents, if we, you know, pour love into ourselves and take a breath in and then kind of, you know, exude it out, then then, you know, I think we do. We realize we have a choice and there's different ways of handling the same situation when you're wrecked at night and your child has gotten out of bed again. And you're all you want to do is like shout at them and say, just go to bed, <laughs> just take the breath, because if you do that and all of us have done it and I've done it it's going to take another hour for them to go to bed because they're going to be crying and upset. And then you're dealing with that. But if you kind of take a breath in and go, okay. Oh, hi, darling. Uh, You know, and just even fake it and kind of go and then put yourself into their shoes and go, what's going on for you, darling. And, you know, okay. Right. And just kind of, if you react in a calmer way, even if you're not feeling calmer, Cam, or if you react in a playful way, which is, oh, let's see about this monster, mm. um, then 
everything will be everything will kind of you know th things will your child will know oh mommy or daddy are okay and i'm okay and they'll be better able to kind of go to sleep or manage whatever's going on for them do you know so we do have a choice but i'm never judging a choice a parent has made either there's always a reason why we be we, why we react in the way that we do absolutely i think that's probably one of the most important things and um, for parents to realize is the way they're reacting, you know, and for it to take that breath. I'm always saying to people, yeah. you, your breath is your anchor. It'll anchor you back into your body, into this moment and take you out of that head yeah. space. You know, I'm all, no matter what the situation is, yeah. kids or anything else, I think it's the most important advice to everybody is say, just take a breath, take a moment before you react, you know, and yeah. then you can respond with love or to say just one moment and mm. I will sit and listen to you whether that is young, older child or partner or family member, just give me a minute. Yeah. You know? And my youngest son would have anxiety and he has come up with this, you know, that he would say, I just can't talk right now, but we will talk later. Yeah, that's lovely. Yeah. So he has kind of said that to us because we were saying, well, how can we help you? And I thought we'll find ways to soothe ourselves but to let the other people know in your family circle what works best for you yeah now, I know with younger children sometimes they might not be able to explain that well my nine-year-old says to me you know like say if I've shouted at her or, or else something has happened you know to rupture whatever's going on and then I apologize to her and she might still be annoyed with me and she's yeah. like I'm not ready to forgive you yet or to take your apology <laughs> and rather than me say oh but please take it and oh come on and I, yeah. I want to empower her and say that's okay Jess yeah you have a you have you take your time yeah I love you I'm here for you you take your time it's okay darling it's mm. all right because I know she'll soften eventually and even if your child is screaming in your face and you're trying to wash them and you're feeling like I just need to, I, I'm going to blow up here. I'm going to explode. Yeah. And I, we've all exploded. But it's like, just breathe, breathe. You don't have to say anything to your child. Sometimes I think the power of silence as a parent is huge. Absolutely. You don't, you're just breathing in and out with them. You're not saying anything. And then you're watching out for the moment that they're coming out of that kind of mode. And then you might say something gently mm. because the mood can change very fast. But it's yeah. just let it be just let it be you don't need to react you don't need to have the answers just breathe let it be do you yeah, know I think that is powerful <laughs> you know what I think again like that I think back to when my children were younger and just going if somebody had said I don't need to explain it all or understand mm. it all I just need to breathe and just be with them and just to listen to whatever their fears are without having to try and explain those fears away you know because again it was probably my own stuff from yeah. years ago that was affecting my parenting when my kids are younger and just not feeling like I had a clue basically that's what I felt like years ago but I've learned that we don't have to know everything for our children they don't expect it even when they ask why a hundred million times you know and years ago it was a, because that's the why <laughs> <laughs> I must try that today yeah you should for the fun we used to hear that that's the why <laughs> you know and then my kids would always go but why though and they would continue and continue I know you know so and the funny thing is because we're going to finish now Mally because I said I am aware of your time on a Saturday morning but I picked a card an angel card for both of us. For That's mad. Week. Do you know what I brought? <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> you can pick one for I us will. now as well. I will. That's mad. I had this <sighs> this urge to to bring them in with me today because they're usually yeah. in the bathroom with my doggy Susie, you know, it, with her ashes oh, that I keep yes. in the bathroom. I know that sounds maybe strange no, to people, but to I just I'm, loved her so yeah. much. Oh, and she's yeah. still around you. Yeah. We're talking so much about children, you know, and everything. And so I just asked the angels today to guide me in picking a card for myself and Mally and um, beautiful card. And it's about curiosity, Mally. Oh, really? See life through the curious eyes of a child and you will discover a never ending source of happiness and excitement. Curiosity keeps you alive, interested and interesting. The angels are inviting you to be curious about yourself. Start exploring who you are and you will grow personally and spiritually. Be interested in people and you will discover an, an, an eternal source of fascination. I thought, well, that couldn't be more apt for both of us. Oh, no. <laughs> be curious about the wonderful universe in which you live, about the angels themselves and your role in the divine plan. The radiance of your delight in life will illuminate you. Oh, wow. Isn't that That's amazing? Beautiful. That's beautiful. <laughs> That's beautiful. Mm. Really. Thank you. You're welcome. I picked brothers and sisters. Oh, it's lovely. Kind of two unicorns. I love these uh, magical unicorn cards. Yeah. And it says, I'll, I'll read you the, the passage. Yes. Um, sometimes. Family members take stress out on each other, so you may feel angry or hurt by a brother or a sister or a close friend. Instead of fighting with them, first take a moment. Can you see the best within them? Can you think of a time when you felt a love for them? By thinking and feeling love towards your brothers and sisters, you can all get along better. The more unlovable someone is, the more they need love. When people get angry at their loved ones, they do so because they don't know how to control the stress in their life. They might be angry with their teacher or boss and feel like they can't do anything about it. So they take the anger out on the people they live with. And that might include you. You may do the same to your family members without knowing it. Deep down, you all love each other. Family members always have love, but sometimes this love is hidden by anger. It doesn't feel good to be angry with your brothers and sisters, even if you have a good reason for the anger. Can you forgive them in the name of peace? Can you be the first one to say, I'm sorry, or I love you? By drawing this card, the unicorns want you to know that your brother, sister, or friend really needs your love and understanding right now. You have the power to help everyone get along. Wow. I've shivers. Really? Shiver, yeah. And I think because both cards um, really resonate with everything we've been talking about, you know, within family structures, within, you know, you're talking about your own family as well yeah. and different things and how anger can affect our relationships. It can affect our reaction and our response to the people in our lives. And sometimes you hear people saying that, Mally, is that we take it out on the people closest to us because we they love us unconditionally. They might like our behavior, but they love us unconditionally. So sometimes it's a safe place for children to scream and shout with their yeah. parents or with their brothers and sisters because they're still accepted and they're still, you know, held in that love. And sometimes they just want to blow off steam like all of us. But as we get older, we have to think about that anger. I think those cards are very powerful, Mally. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Mally Coyne. 
it has been amazing. I could stay talking to you now for longer. I can tell you that because there's so much more I'd love to go into on different levels. But as I said, I value your time as well. And I'm sure Pete will have a lovely cup of tea made for you and the girls. And I wanted to say to you, Sharon, your all your amazing work. I just think you have been a light to so many people um, during the pandemic and all through, you know, beforehand and your books and your meditations and everything you do. You're very warm, kind. And I love you're, you're a real fun person as well. Fun a loving. Div- you've got, you've got a divil, divilment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which I have as well, which yeah. we kind of connected on when we met. Yeah. Um, I just remember you being in my kitchen kind of like laughing and just, I don't know. It was just like you were like such a, an amazing energy coming into the house. Aww. So I just want to thank you for all all that the service and light you bring to people. Thank you, Mally. I'm deeply grateful. Um, you have just so much. I would really urge people to hop onto your website, um, drmallycoin.ie, and to check out all the resources, all the things that you do. You are just an amazing lady. As I said, you are really inspiring, you know, to see all that you have done and are doing in your life and to still have time to write a book you know and raise a family all of those things and go for walks you know all of those things I have a good family I have a good husband in fairness and I've met Pete and he is lovely and very warm and welcoming like you so you're very blessed and I just I just want everyone to hop on and see what you've achieved in your life to check out the resources that you have on your website that can help people to order your book if not for themselves, for somebody in their lives that they know that this could really help, okay? You can check it out. It's, you can order it through your website. Um, HarperCollins Ireland are the publishers. You can and get I, it in Tesco even. You can get it in Tesco, Tesco. with your online delivery. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Brilliant. So please love in, love out. A compassionate approach to parenting your anxious child, Dr. Mally Coyne. And Mally is on Twitter at Mally Coyne and Mally Coyne on Instagram as well. And you're, you're on the Illust for Life panel as well. And I know that you have your um lovely facebook lives when you choose to or mm-hmm. when it's right for you but they're all on the lust for life website anyway so a lot of them still and some of them are on my website a lot of them still apply to now and i just want to yes. say to people out there there is a light at the end of this tunnel we will get through this you know let's let's get through it together brilliant Mally. and my energy is just shivering again because you that's really from your heart and i know that and you are an amazing lady. Please keep shining your light, but shine a lot of it inside as well. Now this yeah. year, you know, that you're going to really shine inwards for yourself and look after you as well. As we said, we can't look after anyone else if we don't look after ourselves. Thank you again. And I look forward to seeing all that you're going to do in the future, but maybe for the next little while, you'll just look after you. Thank you. Thank you, Mally. So thank you, everybody, for joining me on this week's episode with Dr. Mally Coyne. Please do check her out. And I look forward to seeing and connecting to you all soon. Take care for now.